Good morning. How's everyone today? Let's stand together. Have you come to bless the Lord? Let's open up with this wonderful hymn today. I never shall forget the day. Amen. Long years ago, without it. drawing chocolate pound cake it's sitting right over here waiting to be drawn we're going to do that at the close of service so nobody can leave before we close that bought tickets anyhow <laughs> phase three update i'm still working on some scheduling with that but we're to the point that we've got painting pretty much done got a few more little odds and ends to do but mainly the the main gym floor is what we have to finish so the flooring is what's next 
and it's just getting that ordered and getting it on the schedule. We have already ordered it, and so we're just waiting on getting those installers on the books. And as soon as that goes, uh, it should go rather quickly after that, and we should be back in there. So we're looking forward to getting that finished. You just pray that the schedules just flow beautifully, and we can get in there quickly. Also, the Gap Hills uh, Widows Meeting will be this Tuesday, July 18th, and it will be at 12 o'clock noon. And my mother-in-law, Donna Johnson, is actually going to be the speaker. And so they'll have a great time, food, fun, fellowship. You don't want to miss it. I also want to take a moment to thank, thank everyone that helped with Kids Bash yesterday. The kids had an absolute ball out there, all right, running through foam machines. I mean, there was foam flying everywhere. It was amazing. It was just like little, little white clouds. And when you touch it, it just kind of disintegrated in your hands. It was some of the coolest stuff I've ever seen. Kids had a blast, and um, so we're glad for that. That's what it's all about. Thanks to Ann and David, they put that on, took care of getting everything scheduled, and to everyone to help with that. Thank you today. I want to go to prayer really quick this morning before we move on with our service. We got word that um, Brother Ray Mize, a member of our church, many of you know him, obviously, and um, he fell yesterday and uh, hurt himself pretty bad. He had a, a brain bleed, and so he's in the hospital this morning. They're doing some some tests to figure out how bad that bleed is. And so let's pray for, for Ray and for Inez that God would strengthen them. Also for Benny and Susie Morton, continue prayers for them. And continue prayers for, for George Latour. Many um, that those, both of these have cancer that they're battling. And so please be in special prayer for them today that God would intervene on their behalf. Father, we thank you for your lovely son, Jesus Christ. We thank you and we give you glory and we give you honor and we give you praise for who you are. We give you praise for what you have done. We give you praise for what you are going to do. Today, Lord, we commit Ray into your hands and Benny and George and Susan and all these requests that we have said today. We give them to you. And we are praying that you would bring healing to them and that you would touch them and strengthen them, not only them, but their families as they struggle through this with them, watching them as they have to deal with this pain and sickness in their life, touch their families as well. We pray for miracles to happen. We pray for healings to take place. We pray for the hand of God to come upon them in a way that only you are able to do and heal their bodies. Lord, we pray for this service today, that you would be honored, that you would be glorified. It's not about us, it's not about our recognition, it's not about us getting accolades or a pat on the Let us leave this place having given you glory, given you all the honor. Because, Lord, you're the one that we worship. You're the one that's worthy today. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. I also want to say it's so good to see Grant Finley with us. He serves in the uh, military, but he's able to be back home today. So, Grant, we honor you, buddy. Thank you for all you're doing as well. like to stand back up with us just to honor his presence.
singing this morning. I was thinking about singing, but I think I'm going to preach. I'd rather have time on the clock. Uh, as I was praying Saturday, <clears throat> the Lord impressed on my heart, I'm building a wall, and I can't come down. Now, for you that are here on Wednesday nights, <clears throat> you're very familiar with what we're doing, um, but, but you Sunday morning folks don't get to hear it. Um, but we've been going through the book of, from Genesis to Revelation. We're doing what you call Search 66. And that means that every Wednesday we start in Genesis, obviously, and we just take our time. There's no rush on it. I'm not trying to get through like I am on Sunday mornings when I'm trying to get through one sermon on Wednesday nights. I teach, preachify, whatever you want to call it. And when I get to a point that I can't, you know, I look at the clock. I'm like, well, I've been going long enough tonight. I just cut it off. Said so we'll start back next week, kind of more of a relaxed setting. And so I may take three or four weeks to go through one book of the Bible. And so in that, we take the time to really just break it down and give history on it and <clears throat> kind of do more of a verse-by-verse -verse analysis. And, um, but, but this morning, I'm going to go to the book of Nehemiah, and I don't have time. Wednesday night crowds already heard the story. I don't have time to give all the history I did on Wednesday nights unless we were doing it multiple services. But I do want to focus on one part of the story, and that's about this wall that Nehemiah is building. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. Now it happened when Samballot, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, y'all see that word there, right? <clears throat> they weren't friendly, they were enemies, heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though at the time I had not hung the doors in the gates, that Samballot and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. As I've said many times, Ono says it all. Ono means you don't do it. And I guess because of the name of the valley, he said, But they thought to do me harm. So I guess he thought, perhaps if I go down there, They'll kill me, and so I can't take the risk of meeting with these hostiles. So I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? I'm building a wall, and I cannot come down. I, I was thinking of the word distractions. Anybody ever been distracted? You ever been talking to somebody and a squirrel ran by and it just wrecked your world? <clears throat> and you're talking and you say, man, that's a pretty squirrel, isn't it? And then when you get back to the conversation, you say, if you're like me, what was I telling you? Distractions happen. And we talked about this the other week, a couple Sundays ago, we talked about the little James Bond movie and how the guy's got one job and he's just watching this one, protecting this one thing and how that he throws something over here, a stone or something, and he gets off course. 
And we talked about how that's a distraction. And do you know that distraction is a major weapon and tool of the devil? Distraction is something that is a powerful weapon in the arsenal of our enemy, the devil. Do you know that distractions can come in different ways? There's a number of distractions. The first distraction is external. External distractions mean what is going on around me. It is my circumstances, right? It, it, is, it is bad news. It is external things that I see on the outside that distract me. Yes, it is even my entertainment, my draw to entertainment that can pull me away from things that really, quite frankly, I really should be focusing on. It is the external that is the job that someone takes and the job becomes their life so much that they, they aren't home and they never see their kids or, or they never see their wife or their husband or their spouse. They never see them. And so the, 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 it's an external distraction. Because at the end of the day, anybody that you talk to that's allowed things to come into their life and distract them from things that are important years down the road, when you ask them for advice, what do they all say? They all say, I wish I would have took the time to do this or to do that. Because I got distracted by things that, quite frankly, did not even matter when you really look at it in the big scope of this thing called life. There are external distractions. There are internal distractions. This is the work of the enemy, a major tool. He works on our mind. He talks to us. He tells us things. He says you're not good enough. He talks to us and he says this and that. And you know how the devil works. It's an internal battle. This is the greatest battle I think that Christians will ever go through is the internal. And if we're not careful, we will focus on the internal so much that it distracts us from our goal. In other words, if Satan is trying to distract me with I can't do it, I can't do it, then I begin to be distracted from the fact that God has already said I can do it because I can do all things through Christ. You understand what I'm saying? But, but so, so these distractions are inside of us, yes, even technological distractions. This cell phone that we hold in our hand that takes up much of our time, all of the time we're looking at it and we're going through and you're sitting there saying, oh Lord, help us, Jesus. And we're going through all of these distractions technologically in our, our computers and, and business and we we get distracted. This is a work of the enemy. Anything that Satan can do to get you off track of the work that you are doing for God or should be doing for God or the kingdom work, he is going to do that against you. Can you say amen if you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Distractions are no good. In the story of Nehemiah, this is a major distraction from the enemy. And it serves as a motivation to every Christian in this church today that is in, involved in doing a work for God. See, the cupbearer of the king, that's who he is. You know, people think sometimes, well, I'm not much of anything. Well, well, what difference can I make in the kingdom of God? Nehemiah is a story that teaches us that all he was was a servant. All he was was a cupbearer. That means that, I mean, he really had an important job because what you did before you give it to the king over here, you sip the wine and make sure it hasn't been poisoned. Now, that's a good job to have, right? So if Nehemiah dies, then we're not giving that to the king. He's dispensable, right? 
If Nehemiah's gone, oh, nobody will worry about it. We'll just get a new cupbearer. Somebody else will do the job because they think serving the king is such an honorous position. Even if they have to die doing it, man, it's just such a prestige in their mind. Well, here goes Nehemiah. It's really not that great of a job, just a simple cupbearer. But it goes to show us that when God has his hand on you, hallelujah, he can promote you. He can do it overnight. And do you know how it all started? It wasn't because he put up signs like they do these politicians these days and say vote for Nehemiah to be promoted. No, no, no. It started with the burden in his heart from the Lord. And when he took that burden, a simple cupbearer became a mighty man of faith and a man that, quite frankly, the Bible even has a book named after him. So the cupbearer of a great king becomes overwhelmed. He has a burden. This burden is very simple to give you a short gist of history. God has given him a burden to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the walls that had been in shambles. They have been laying on the ground for 150 years. He begins to rally the people of God, the Jews. And he says, why in the world are we, Jewish people, allowing our country to stay in shambles? Why are we, the people of God, allowing it to lay? The enemy has destroyed it. He walks in it. He's stolen everything from us. Why in the world are we sitting here so satisfied? Man, I wish to God I could preach this in some churches, that all they are is a bunch of shambles. The walls have been torn down. The enemy has moved. I wish to God that I could stir up every congregation that it is time to build up a wall of prayer around the church again. It is time to build up a wall of fasting around the church again. It is time for us to get a burden for the kingdom and the work of God again. The enemy, this is not his. This is ours. And Nehemiah gets this burden and says, if I can just get some people to go with me, he rallies them up, gives them a pep talk. And they say, Nehemiah, if you'll lead us, we'll go and we'll do it. The walls speak of security. The walls speak of peace. The walls speak of a national revival. And you remember, though, that when we set out to do this great work for God like Nehemiah is doing, that the devil is going to move in and he is going to try to hinder and discourage the work of God. And that's what I'm going to preach on for just a few minutes today. And in my text, Nehemiah was challenged by Samballat and by Tobiah. And they called to him and said, Nehemiah, would you come down from the wall? And his response is an all-time classic. When he looked up and down at them and said, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. See, we must all, listen to me, we must all see our work as a great work work. There are many of us that think if I don't hold the title in the church, then I'm not really great in the church. But can I tell you what makes a church? Are y'all ready for this? It is the people of God doing a great work for the Lord. Are y'all ready for this? It is not just prestige. It is not just titles. It is when the people of God grab a hold to the burden of God and the vision of God and they realize, man, I'm working for the kingdom. I'm a servant of the Most High God. 
I've been born again. I've got to tell somebody about this good news. This is kind of what I want to kind of steer this direction towards today. Is that God has put a great work on us, everyone in this building. And that is to build up the kingdom of God. Listen to me, folks. If the church isn't going to build up the kingdom of God, then who in the world is going to do it? The world's not going to do it. The devil's not going to do it. There are some people in the house of God that have got to be rallied by a Nehemiah to say my goodness we're doing a great work it is time to rebuild what the devil has torn down yes even in other people's lives yes even in our communities it is time for the people of God to arise with the burden and the vision of God in their heart and I promise you that when we do that there's a God that is going to give us the strength and the power and no weapon formed against the church shall prosper we're going to make a difference what we do is important. Woo. It is so great, in fact, that when the devil comes knocking with distractions, external, internal, even with technological, whatever it may be, that we look back at our enemy and say, uh-uh, my work's too great. I am not coming down. I'm going to give you four distractions. Are you ready for it? The first one is laughter. Now, I know I read in my Bible the other day that a merry heart will do you good like what? Like a medicine. The laughter that they're giving Nehemiah is not because they're happy. There's another definition for laughter, and it's not so merry, and it's not like a medicine. Because it is intended to belittle somebody. It was funny. Jennifer used to tell me, I'd be making jokes and stuff, and she said, Jimmy, they're not laughing with you. They're laughing at you. <laughs> A couple of you got that. Good job. Laughing is to belittle. Look at Nehemiah 2.19. This, this is what I want you to see what's going on. In this story. But when Samballot the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, look at what they did. They laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? See what they've got to understand. And I like this. The Bible said that they they laughed us to scorn. All right? In other words, they went on and said they despised us. That means they hated him for what he was doing. They hated the Jewish people. And they hated them for building up the wall. Can I tell you, the world is not the friend of the church. Don't everybody shout at once. The world is not here to back us up and to help us. If anything, many in the world are here to scorn us. And they are here to laugh at us. And they are here that when we talk about Jesus coming back, and they say, oh man, them crazy people believe there's a God in heaven. That's what the world is. They're laughing at us. Somebody say, oh no, no. If they really trusted in Christ and believed in Jesus, they would put their faith in him too. 
There's a reason that they don't do that. They are skeptical. Many of them wondering if there's even a God that exists. Is there even a God out there? And they go through that. They laugh at the church. We talk about our loved ones dying. My my grandmother, 92 this past week, we celebrated her homegoing service. And we celebrated because we knew where she was. To the eyes of the world, they laugh at us. And they think, what kind of fools is this? To think that when a man or woman dies, that they're going to go to a better land. All they're doing is going back to the dirt. This is what the world does. They laugh at us. They think many times at our work, oh, it's nothing. But let me tell you something that Jesus said, not something I made up. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, if you follow me, he said, the world is going to hate you. Listen, I don't want everybody to like me. I don't want to be the pastor that everybody and their uncle says, man, I just like this guy. I want to be the guy every now and then that people talk about and say that guy's crazy and off the, off the rake. I don't know what's wrong with this guy. He's crazy. He's a lunatic. I want to be that guy. I don't want everybody to like me. Because Jesus said if you're doing something right, there's going to be a group of people that aren't going to like you. They are going to despise you. They are going to laugh at you. He said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Now, you know what's funny about that that statement there? Is that Nehemiah had permission from the king to do what he was doing. I'm going to say it this way. Some things just aren't some people's business, and they need to stay out of it. They were simply being nosy. He had already talked to the king. The king had already uh, given him permission for what he was doing. The enemy laughs at the thought of someone making an effort to do something so great for God. This wall is torn down. How in the world can you do it? Do you remember Joseph in the Bible? Coat of many colors. You know that guy. His brothers laughed at him. Do you remember? He had a dream one night and his brothers laughed at him. Ha ha ha. Oh, not because they were laughing with him. They were laughing at him. And he said, man, y'all bowed down. Oh, the 12 corns, they bowed down. Even the moon and the star and the sun or whatever bowed down. And he says, do you think our mother and father's going to bow to you? Are you crazy? Ha, ha, ha. And they just laugh at him in scorn and ridicule. And they're just making a mockery of him. And so when he starts walking towards them, this is what they say. Here comes that dreamer. Ha, ha, ha. He thinks his dreams mean something. He thinks he's going to do something great one day. He thinks he's going to be somebody. Can I tell you sometimes when we dream, that's exactly what the world does. But I want to say to somebody today, if you dream, you might as well dream big. Don't allow the enemy to distract you from the vision that God has put in your heart. I mean, if you want to go to here, why don't you go ahead and believe that God can take you up to there? Because that's the God that you serve. Here comes that dreamer. But what they didn't understand, while they're laughing, saying, you can't do it, Joseph. This is impossible. You'll never reach that. You'll never attain that. You'll never achieve that. But Joseph just kept being faithful to the burden God had given him and the vision and the dream God had given him. And he ended up second in command of Egypt and even ended up saving their hides. Don't tell me that it can't be done. All Christians at one time or another, you've been laughed at. Anybody? Teens walking in a public school with the Bible in their hand 
Do you know what the other students are going to do? Anybody want to guess? They're going to laugh at them. Businessmen have been laughed at for refusing to partake in certain things. You remember some time back how that old Mike Pence was asked about drinking at an event and he made mention of something. He announced to them that he would not have a meal along with a woman unless his wife was with him. Anybody remember that? Now, I don't need you people that think, oh my goodness, I hate this man because he didn't do this or that. For I could care less about politics right now. I'm talking about biblical stance. I could care less about Washington right now. I'm talking about a man, forget about all the politics. He just wanted to stand for what his conviction was and what he believed in. And he said, I will not have a meal with a woman other than my wife. A matter of fact, he went on to say, I will not even attend an event and that serves alcohol without caring with me. You know what the world did? They laughed at him. They wrote articles about him and said, Oh, Pence, he just don't know how to handle himself. He's afraid he's going to sleep with the woman if Karen ain't there. If Karen's not there, he's going to get drunk as a skunk. All because a man simply had convictions and standards that he had chosen to live by. But what did the world do to him? They made a mockery of that man. And they laughed at him. And if you do the same thing, the world is going to laugh at you for some of your personal convictions. But when laughter comes, guess what Nehemiah teaches us? He said, Tobiah and Symbalat, you are laughing now, but you haven't even scratched the surface of what God is about to do here in Jerusalem. In the last 150 years, y'all haven't seen anything like this. So laugh, devil, laugh, devil, laugh. It's not going to be a distraction to me. Jesus helped Jimmy. Number two. Ridicule is what they received. In Nehemiah 4.2 he said, What are these feeble Jews doing? The word feeble simply means they are weak. It means they are ineffective. Do you know that some people, because of the day and age that we live in, some people have said that of the church. That we're not the church we used to be. We're not a church of power anymore. We're not a church of miracles anymore. We're not a church of healings anymore. We're not a church of seeing these great things that we used to see years ago. We're just not that church anymore. And the world would ridicule us and say, what do those feeble people think that they're doing? They're weak. They're ineffective. But I want to say to the church of Jesus Christ, let us rise up and build with the power of the Holy Ghost anointing on us and show the world we are not alone in this thing. There's a God, as I preached last week, that is backing us up. We are doing a great work, and we will not stop doing that. They ridiculed them. So when laughter doesn't work, Satan begins to ridicule the work of your hands. The Jews were called feeble, right? 
They were called weak. Um, I think you call this name calling. <laughs> I, go, I go every week, every Thursday when school's in, you know it. I mentor a kid there and I go to the middle school. I'm going to tell you something right now. Kids are mean. It wouldn't surprise me if one day I go in there and they try to call me a name and bully me. Kids are mean. God help us adults. Because sometimes we act like kids too. And we resort to name calling too. Well, that little, you know. These men go and they begin to name call. Y'all are feeble. Y'all are weak. Y'all are ineffective. They criticize the work that Nehemiah and the people are doing. And they criticize it like this. They said that a fox running up the wall would cause it to fall down. Do you know how much a fox weighs? Six to 31 pounds. A male adult can weigh up to 31 pounds, a red fox. But as little as six pounds. So it's not like some major 200-pound person trying to climb the wall. It's, it's ridicule. He says, if a little fox tries to climb up this wall, what's going to happen is the wall is going to fall. In other words, are y'all ready for this? What you are building will not stand. But what they don't understand about the church and about you and I, what the world doesn't understand is what I'm building and what you are building. It is built on the Word. And the Word will not fail. And the world, the Word will not fall. He said heaven and earth will pass away. But my Word shall what? It shall stand through the test of time. Thank God what we're building is not temporary. What we are building is eternal, ladies and gentlemen. This is a great work we, the church, are doing. Let them ridicule us. Let them talk about us. If you have not faced ridicule in your life, then brace yourself, ladies and gentlemen, because Satan is going to send somebody into your life that will ridicule your work. He is going to send a Samballot or a Tobiah. Listen to me. Nine out of ten times when an individual ridicules you, do you know why they do it? It's because of their shortcomings. When they ridicule you, it makes them feel better about themselves. Most of the time when you are ridiculed, it is their insecurities why they do it. Why are you telling me this, Pastor? Because I'm telling you, if, some, if Satan does send somebody to ridicule you, I'm telling you, don't join in and dish it back to them. What's your response? I'm building up this wall over here. I'm working for the kingdom of God over here. I can't come down. I don't have time for this baby game. I don't have time for that. I'm doing a greater work than that. You go ahead, you laugh, you ridicule all you want. I don't have time for that. This is more important. It's a what? It's just a distraction. Third, we got obvious attack. When laughter and ridicule didn't work and discourage Nehemiah, 
His enemies conspired to fight against him with the weapons of war. The Bible said that they conspired all of them together, those that were his enemies, to come and to fight against Jerusalem. And he said, to hinder it. In other words, I will slow it down. If I cannot stop it, I am going to slow down the work of God. Another version said it this way. Said we will come and we will attack and we will create confusion. I'm going to go swallow water because I'm going to preach about two minutes on that. I am going to come and I'm going to say, have we never seen this in the church? Have we not? When things are going good, we're doing a work for God. We've been building up this wall. Oh man, we're a quarter of the way up. we got a ways to go, but man, God's doing a great work. And all of a sudden, here comes the enemy, and they begin to attack. But what really, really hurts is when confusion gets into the body of the people that are working. And, and, I, and I, oh my God, I need to, I'm going to preach it in just a minute. But I'm telling you one thing. God is not the author of confusion. There is no room for confusion. Don't allow confusion to get involved in the work that God is doing. It is a distraction. It is to slow us down. It is to hinder us. What is Nehemiah's response? In Nehemiah 4.17, he said it this way. He said, we will, I mean, they're saying, man, they're coming to fight us. They're coming to fight us. What are we going to do, Nehemiah? This is his response. We'll hold our swords with one hand. Are y'all ready? And we are going to lay a brick with the other hand. Woo! Do, do, do y'all see the picture? I should have got a brick wall and put in here mortar and everything. That would have been real dramatic. Of course, we would put a huge tarp. If I could just, I got my sword in my, see, our sword isn't a man-made sword. Our sword is the word of God. When the devil comes against me, I can't fight him. This isn't flesh and blood that I'm fighting. I fight against him with the word of God. I speak what God has already said over my life in the word of God. I call out the promises of God in my life. And I fight against him with the word. But I can keep on working. I can quote a scripture. I can keep a by stripes I'm healed. I can keep on laying. I can say your weapons aren't going to prosper against me. And I keep on laying. Every promise God has ever given me, I call it out to the devil. And I keep on working. Now there's a group of people there thinking, oh my gosh, we should should set up around camp and we should we should we should hide over here and, and then and then when they come we'll ambush them from the left or the right and they'll be confused and we'll, uh, Nehemiah's like this is way too complicated we came here to build the wall that is exactly what we are going to do. The distraction of the obvious attack from the enemy is not going to stop us. They are trying to intimidate us. It will not work. You grab your sword and you grab your brick and you don't stop working. And my God, have I wish somebody would grab this today. It speaks of balance in the church. Some people can only concentrate on one thing. Works, warfare, or worship. And they have to pick and choose. Don't stop. Don't slow down. Nehemiah is an example of a man that could balance it all. He says we can worship while we work. We can have warfare while we work. At the end of the day, God is glorified. That's what the enemy wants, ladies and gentlemen. It's to stop us, to slow us down. But we grab our sword. We grab a brick. We give God the glory. Because the bottom line was this we're building this wall we cannot come down Amen. number four number four and I'm done 
discouragement among his own people. I think this is probably the worst of all. Look at Nehemiah 4.10. I want to take time to read it. And we're going to leave this up for just a minute because I need you to see it. Then Judah said. Who said it? Anybody? Y'all still asleep? I need to preach for another 30 minutes. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing. Do you know what that means, Brian? It means our workers are getting tired. They're tired of laying bricks. They're tired of getting laughed at. They're tired of getting ridiculed. They're tired of being threatened by the attacks of the enemy. We're getting tired. Are y'all ready for this? Watch the wording. This is so powerful. And there is so much rubbish. God. There is so much rubbish that we are not able to build this wall. Are y'all ready for this? Have you ever gotten a situation that you looked around you and thought, oh my God, there is so much rubbish around here. There's so much discouragement. There's so much stress. There's so much anxiety. Everything's in shambles. Everything I touch is falling apart. And when you look around, all you see is the shattered dreams. All you see is what you thought you could be, but man, it got crushed 10 years ago. When you see this marriage and it's failing, when you see your kids struggling, when you have your job and your boss is getting on your nerves, and when you look around you and you're trying to be encouraged and you're, you're trying to think, oh God, I just want to do a work for you. I want to keep on doing the right thing. I want to be the best person I can be. I want to be a witness for you. These people had done the right thing. They had left to come to Jerusalem to build. But in the middle of their building, they recognized something. There are so much rubbish around us. There is no way, Nehemiah, that we are going to be able to succeed. Do you see what's happening now? It's not the enemy anymore. Now it's their own selves. And they are talking themselves right out of victory. They are talking themselves. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. I have seen so much rubbish before in my life that I've been in their shoes. So I feel what they're saying. I know where they're coming from. I've been there. Some of you have been there. When you looked around in your life and you had made a mess of things. And everywhere you look, rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. That means things are just torn down. The walls are torn down. How can I rebuild this, this marriage? How can I rebuild this relationship? How can I rebuild my own life? It's in shambles. How in the world am I going to make a difference anymore? I might as well just quit. I might as well give up. It is bad when the enemy says it. That it can't be done. But we expect that, right? He's the enemy. He's supposed to tell us we can't do it. It is his job. He's got one job, and he does it very well. He tells us we can't succeed. He wants to point out to us, look at all the shambles and rubbish in your life. You can't do it. But when your own people begin to get discouraged, the problem is compounded. It is made bigger. It is getting worse. Things unexpected are happening to us, Pastor. There's things we didn't count in the cost. It cannot be done. Listen to me. Discouragement is from the devil and from the very pits of hell. We need to rebuke it. But look at my scripture. I need you to see sometimes... Words that I say don't have as much weight as words that another person may say. I'm a pastor. 
if I came to one of your jobs and you do electrical work, all right? Now, my wife can tell you I'm a jack of all trades, a master of none. But if it can be done, me and you two, we will do it. We will succeed. May get shot and get a hospital bill in the process, but we will succeed. What I'm telling you, if I came to your boss and you're a master electrician, man, you've been in this company for 25 years. And I come up in here and I say, hmm, Scott, not, not the way Scott's saying do it, let's not do it. Well, you all do it this way. But Scott speaks up and says, no, 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 that, that's not going to work. This is going to short. That's going to short. That, that, that's not the way it's wired. And I'm like, no, 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 I've done this before. This is the way it needs to be done, Scott. Right? Do you think the boss man's going to walk over there and say, you know what, Scott? We need to listen to Jimmy today. If he does, your boss needs to be fired and y'all need a new one. Because if your boss has got a brain, he's going to say, Jimmy, hey, we appreciate your opinion, but Scott, do it the way you've always done it. You've been doing it for 25 years. It works out fine. Right? There's weight in words. It's from whom the words are coming from that has the biggest impact. Now, if it comes to preaching and it comes to church and it comes to spirituality and I speak a word about church leadership... Shouldn't it hold more weight than a regular member? I would hope so if I've got a brain. And doing it since I was 21 years old, pastoring, it should be better. If it's not, I need to quit too. And y'all need a new one. The point is, it's who it's coming from. And the problem with this scripture is who it's coming from. It's coming from Judah. And Judah is the tribe of praise. God has done this for years and years. When they first were separated, he said, you are the praise tribe. You are, can we say it this way? You are the praise team. You are the choir. And here's the deal. Normally they are singing the praises of God, but now Judah has become victimized by the ongoing laughter and ridicule of the enemy. In other words, you are the victim. And when you're the victim, you perceive yourself as helpless. When you are the victim, you perceive yourself as powerless. When you are the victim, you see yourself as unfairly treated. But see, here's the deal. I refuse to be a victim because I am not a victim. I am a victor. Somebody ought to say amen, hallelujah, in this house. You are not a victim with the mentality you are helpless. You are a victor because of who is on your side and who has already said you are going to succeed. You are going to prosper and everything your hands such that's what God said Amen. so even though Judah holds a lot of weight being the praise team I think I'm going to listen to what God has to say they were simply discouraged go to the PNI there will be times when those closest to you will become discouraged yes it may be your own family you may have a dream and they may even begin to doubt it's possible. Don't stop dreaming. It may be the pastors, it may be the leaders that dream big. And sooner or later somebody says you've got to stop dreaming. It's not going to happen. It's impossible. Sometimes we get discouraged on the inside. But the response must be the same. Have you guessed what it is yet? You can go back to my title. I'm building up this wall. And I cannot come down 
Laughter will not bring me down. Ridicule will not bring me down. Attack will not bring me down. Discouragement cannot bring me down. You know, we used to sing a song. I loved it. It was so funny. In the Independent Holiness Church, you should just sing until you basically passed out. I'm going to swallow water and i got two more minutes, all right? They red in the face, but as long as those people will shout, you better sing. That's your job. You're the Judas today. And we used to sing and sing and sing and sing. And we started doing this song. I don't know if they made it up or if it was a real song. And it just It said, if mama don't go, it won't hinder me. If mama don't go, it won't hinder me. If mama don't go, it won't hinder me. I'm on my way. Praise the Lord. I'm on my way. So we just start adding things. If daddy don't go, if my cousin don't go, if my dog don't go, I mean, Nate, give me a word. Anybody? If Johnny don't go, I mean, I don't care. You just sing, 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 sing. But I kind of got the picture of what the song was trying to say. It was simply saying, I'm up here building up a wall doing a great work for God. And I don't care what they do. I read my Bible, Peter and John. You remember the story? When, when Peter and John are, are going through this thing, and, and one of them asks of the other, says, what, what about him? To which God replies and says, don't worry about him. Worry about you. What does it matter what John does or what Peter does? Worry about you and what you're doing. So the psalm was trying to say if I get up here working on the wall and mama decides to quit, if mama doesn't go, I'm going to keep on working. I'm going to keep on building. If daddy gets down the wall, child of God, son, daughter, you just keep on building. You just keep on working. If the pastor doesn't go, then you just keep on working. To pastors that, the, that don't have a vision anymore, God put it in the heart of the people that they'll jump up on the wall and say, maybe after a while something's sparking him. we got to build this wall. So I'll leave you with this. The end result is very, very simple. Nehemiah 6, 15. This is the gist of the story. So on October the 2nd, the wall was what? Finished, completed, the job got done. Just 52 days after we had begun. You talk about a God that can expedite things. On October 2nd, the wall is finished, and I'm praising God less than two months. I don't care how long your dreams have been crumbled on the ground. God can help you to rebuild them overnight. There's a woman with an issue of blood. She's had it for 12 years. But when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, guess what happened? Immediately, seconds, she was made whole. I say to you, child of God, today, keep building, keep working, don't give up, because you, regardless of what your enemy has told you, you are doing a great work, and you cannot afford to come down. Let's stand. All my life you have been faithful. All my life. All my life you have been so. So good with every breath, with every breath.
praise in the house today. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you all. We love you. We'll see you Lord willing Wednesday. We also have service Sunday. God bless you. <laughs> to be honest with you, I was hoping y'all would forget and I could just take it home. But thank you, Byron.